welcome to Base Camp for Men. I'm your host, Tony Rezac. This is the show that gives you insights and resources on how to live a more courageous life. We'll be looking at men, the current state of masculinity, and how to create a more inspiring narrative for all men. Welcome and let's get started. Hello, Base Campers. I hope you're all doing well. Well, with all the misinformation and disinformation coming out of mainstream media about COVID and the so-called vaccination program engineered by Big Pharma, something is gradually coming into focus, that our blind trust in the quote-unquote medical authorities when they are intimately tied to something as corrupt as the pharmaceutical industry no longer serves us. And it's never easy to challenge something as monolithic as the Western medical industry and the pharma hydra that birthed it. The fact is that more and more people are waking up to the lies and the deception, to the origins of COVID and the so-called vaccines, and about the gaslighting and censorship that was administered by mainstream media and big tech. COVID and its aftermath has turned out to be a massive red pill for an unsuspecting public, creating at first a sort of cognitive dissonance as most people put masks on and did what they were told. But people are going to be pissed off when they get the full story of the COVID origins. You just wait. You can see it crest just over the hill and barreling towards us like a freight train. And it never ceases to amaze me how much blowback ordinary citizens and parents receive by simply asking questions and challenging the mononarrative. God forbid, ask questions or have a different perspective or make a different choice. Oh, they. It's been an exhausting journey, yet here we the people stand, wiser to the corruption, seeing the pattern, calling out each overreach by the globalists with more and more confidence and larger and larger numbers. If you're now just starting to figure this out, we welcome you. For every one of you that has held two or more perspectives and haven't thrown the rest of us under the bus, I salute you. This information war has not been easy on any of us. And I will finish with a quote from the actor Woody Harrelson, who said, quote, the last people I would trust with my health is Big Pharma in big government, because neither of those strike me as caring entities, unquote. Oh, enjoy the interview. My guest today is a bright young woman with a very interesting story. Rochelle comes from a prominent medical family and because of the theme of this episode, wishes to keep her family identity more or less under wraps. Here is my interview with Rochelle. All right. I am here with Rochelle. Rochelle, welcome to Base Camp for Men. It's great to have you on the show. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate the opportunity to share my story. Yeah. All the way from Hungary. Now, you're you're originally from the Bay Area, but you live in Hungary now? Yeah. For the moment, I'm living here in Hungary, but I am from the Bay Area in California. Yeah. And, you know, I came across you... Uh, uh, a guest on the show forward, forwarded me your information and we were talking, I've done not a lot on vaccines and, and possible injuries, but I try to do stuff on the show that sort of shines a light on stuff that maybe people aren't hearing or they're not, these are conversations that maybe they're not um, privy to. So it's, it's this kind of attempt to fill in the blanks a little bit about what's going on. And you have a really interesting story with a really interesting background. So I guess my first question is kind of what, what does your parent, what do your parents do for work? And, uh, let's just start with that. What do, what do your mom and dad each do for work? So my father is an ICU physician and a pulmonologist. So mm-hmm. in internal care medicine, and he does um, pulmonology, critical care, 
Um, and my mother is a retired emergency room physician, and she's also worked as a school nurse. Um, so both of them are within the field of medicine. And my grandfather was also a physician, kind of interesting bit of information. He worked for the very last king of Afghanistan, mm. um, King Zahir Shah. So he was actually the king's and the royal family's physician back wow. in Afghanistan. So yeah. that was before um, he moved to America. So I, I guess you could say that I have a long um, running lineage within um, the medical field. And my brother is also a doctor as well. And you went to pre-med, right? Yeah. So I went to university studying um, pre-med. I actually wanted to become a veterinarian because I am a big animal lover. And I also wanted to continue that um, passion for science and medicine and just interest in biology in general. So I studied um, general biology at UC Santa Cruz. Um, and then I also did some studies at UC Berkeley after that. And so um, I did all of the pre-medical studies, but unfortunately I became um, very ill when I was in university, which mm. I will talk about later yeah. Yeah. in the episode. Well, and so you, just to help frame this a little bit, we're going to talk about your mom and your grandma in just a second, but you, uh, you did not take the COVID vaccine because you were injured by the Gardasil vaccine. Is that right? Correct. Yeah. So I was injured by the Gardasil shot when I was in college. And, and this is something that I have since discovered, um, kind of looking back in retrospect, I wasn't aware at the time that what mm -hmm. I was experiencing was an adverse reaction from Gardasil. But looking back, um, I had since connected the dots, looking at all of my um, past like email accounts, my emails to my psychiatrist, I was able to determine that it matched up with my Gardasil vaccine. So that's why I decided to not get the COVID shots. But unfortunately, my family did. Yeah. And then you were like, I was, you know, when I was growing up, we just, there wasn't a ton of vaccines to get. I'm a lot older than you. Um, you know, we just got those. There wasn't a lot of talk about anything. You just did it. But since then, there's a lot more different kinds of vaccines. And it seems like they've, you know, I, did you, were you just, oh, of course, I'm going to get the vaccine. I'm on, it's on the schedule for me when you got the Gardasil. In other words, you weren't really questioning big pharma or the vaccination program or anything until you had the reaction from the Gardasil. Is that true? Well, I would say yes and no. Um, the simple answer is that I did trust the medical system and I grew up always trusting the medical system and I trusted big pharma and I didn't question it, but there was a bit of a caveat with the Gardasil vaccine because actually, um, a family member of mine was, um, seriously, harmed by Gardasil. And so um, knowing that it was a new vaccine on the market and that she had this really rare reaction, Guillain-Barre syndrome, uh, which left her paralyzed for several weeks and it was extremely scary. We didn't know if she would recover or not. Um, my family and I kind of thought that we would wait a little bit longer to see if that vaccine um, had been shown to be safe. And, you know, we were just trying to figure out what was going on with the reaction that she had. Um, so ultimately it was what we were told is that her reaction was one in a million. 
and that it was a very safe vaccine and that, you know, she just got extremely unlucky. It was a very rare event. Um, she is extremely lucky to have made a recovery from that. So, you know, I'm not sure if she's really at a hundred percent or not, but she did recover. So after, um, looking at the, at the time, I didn't realize there were fraudulent clinical trials for, um, the Gardasil vaccine made by Merck. Um, I believed and trusted those clinical trials. And so I thought it was a safe vaccine. And so I ended up deciding to take it in, um, 2011, 2012, there's a series of three shots. So I took those and it wasn't until the second and third shot that I started to notice some things were happening to my nervous system. What, what kinds of things were happening? So the first shot, nothing noticeable happened. And, um, you know, like I, like expected, it just gave me some pain in my arm. And then I went about my day. And then the second shot, I started to, um, just notice that I was having all these dissociative episodes with my brain, not really feeling like it was functioning properly. And I felt very off and kind of, um, I, I thought it was, like some new psychiatric thing that was happening to me um, because I had already struggled with depression, but I wasn't able to identify it at the time as a different type of episode, something that I've never had before. So this mm -hmm. type of disconnecting from your body is actually can be a sign of neurotoxicity, mm -hmm. which I didn't realize at the time. And then the third shot that I had, since I wasn't able to um, connect my episode to my, to the vaccine, I ended up getting the last one. And that's when, um, my brain just kind of all hell went loose within my nervous system. And I felt as if my brain had kind of turned into scrambled eggs. I was just like staring at the ceiling for 12 hours, feeling, um, completely panicked, but like this physical sensation within my nervous system, like there wasn't really a real, um, psychological explanation for the way that I was feeling. It was just like my nerves were kind of on fire. My brain was not firing properly. Um, I just felt this disconnection to my brain that um, I guess you could describe as brain fog. Um, yeah. And so it was since then, I, I always struggled with brain fog and with um, cognitive issues and memory issues and really severe kind of like this chemical induced anxiety that I didn't used to have. Mm. Um, so definitely a profound change that happened to my brain, which I didn't have before the Gardasil vaccines. Um, but at the time it, I wasn't really able to pinpoint it to the vaccine um, because I wasn't really expecting it to have that sort of effect. So then, so then when the, the COVID vaccines were rolled out without being really tested you were at that point that's years later you're on the watch for something and you're like I'm, i don't really feel like i want to take that but your but your grandma and your mother took the how, did they each take both doses like let's maybe let's talk about your grandma first and then we'll talk about your mom yeah so um my my father had no hesitation about the vaccines. My mother had a slight hesitation about them mm -hmm. um, because I had sent my parents all of this information about, you know, all of the red flags that I had noticed with the vaccine clinical trials that I read. 
um, because I had been reading about vaccines for several years before this. And um, it was kind of in the aftermath of all of the health problems that I had developed that were caused by not just the Gardasil vaccine, but by other pharmaceuticals that I took in the aftermath of the Gardasil reaction that I had um, that ended up giving me these chronic health problems. So I, I sent all this information to my parents, but they ultimately um, decided to get the vaccine, my father, because you know he doesn't really question vaccines. He's a doctor and he needed yep. it for work. Uh, mm -hmm. My grandmother and my mother were told that they had to get the vaccines in order to see each other because my grandmother lived in a nursing home. And, um, you know, so her health was already a little bit um, frail at the time. And so they were very concerned about her catching COVID and um, they wanted to, you know, protect her with, with the vaccines. And so it was required for anyone visiting her to have them. And so that's kind of the irony of the decision that my family went into um, getting the COVID vaccines with is that they were ultimately intending to protect her. And that is the exact opposite of what happened. So just to go into the reactions that they had, um, my grandmother had the series of uh, Pfizer shots and my mother had the series of Moderna shots. And so they had them at approximately the same time. Um, the first shot for both of them, nothing happened right away. For my mother, it was um, shortly after her first shot that she had like this severe pain episode of um, really bad kind of like, I think she described it as being uh, flu-like achy pain that was kind of like going throughout her body for several days. And um, she thought, maybe it was a virus, maybe she was just having a temporary reaction to the vaccine. Um, she wasn't really sure what it was, but it did eventually go away. So she, um, so she felt safe to get the second vaccine. And so for both my mother and my grandmother, it was really the second vaccine that caused all of the damage. And so with my grandmother, um, she got the second vaccine and very shortly after that, I think within a matter of hours or maybe a day or two, um, my family told me that she lost her ability to speak. Um, so she couldn't uh, form any sentences or talk on the phone anymore. And although she had already been struggling with some cognitive declines, she up until that point was able to speak on the phone, um, communicate, and she just suddenly lost that ability right after the second Pfizer shot. And um, right after my mother's second Moderna shot, she had suddenly another episode of really serious pain and inflammation um, throughout her body. And it just hit her like a truck, she said. And this time it wasn't going away. And it was a lot more serious. And so um, she ended up um, developing this brand new autoimmune condition, which is called polymyalgia rheumatica. Um, it's a condition that attacks the muscles and connective tissues everywhere in the body with severe inflammation. And so um, she was just in kind of the worst pain of her life. And she described it as if she sent me this text message where she said it felt like someone had pulled her head off and poured cement all throughout her body. 
because of the way that this um, severe inflammation gives you serious pain and stiffness everywhere. Um, and she developed several ten like spontaneous tendon ruptures throughout her body, and it oh my god, and it created um, a herniation in her L four L five um, lower disc in her spine that at one point may need surgical correction. Um, she had to go in and get an urgent, um, surgery for her thumb, which her thumb just spontaneously ruptured the tendons and ligaments. Um, so she needed to have those reattached. And then she also, um, had complete tears in the tendons of her, rotator cuff in her shoulder. So she needs to have those surgically repaired too. So she's at this point, um, needed to have one surgery so far and perhaps three more surgeries to repair tears and rips everywhere in her body from the severe inflammation caused by this illness. Sounds just um, terrible. Yeah. Yeah. And while my mom was going through this, um, my grandmother passed away just a few uh, weeks after her second shot. So she lost the ability to speak. And then shortly after that, she passed away. So my mom was going through all of this while um, she... And that that was her mom, right? And that was her mother. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know, it seems like people, this is a common story in that it's often the second shot where people have these extreme reactions where all of a sudden they, they really realize, uh Oh, what, what just happened to me? Um, I hear that a lot where the first, the first shot is, you know, people might say a little fluey or, yeah, I felt a little under the weather, not, not a big deal, but, but, but the second one, if they're going to have a reaction, it seems like that's the one that is the most reported or the, that you hear about the most anecdotally, um, so at this point with those, this terrible reaction she's having is, is your mother, you know, a retired physician, uh, is she starting to go, you know, what is she telling, is she confiding in you that she thinks it was the vaccine? Um, is your father starting to go, uh, hmm, is he looking at it with a critical eye or are they both still because we're coming out of that? that conditioning of Western medicine, are they both thinking now it can't be that? I'm, I'm very curious. Well, kind of a crazy story about the way that I found out about my mother's vaccine injury mm-hmm. um, because she didn't tell me for about four months what she was going through. She actually um, hid her vaccine injury from me. She didn't want you um, to know, right? She didn't want you yeah, to start to talk to her about I it. I was yeah, in another yeah. country. Yeah, I was in another country. I have all of my own health problems that are not too unsimilar to her, what she's experiencing. I have a lot of connective tissue problems that I've also developed since Gardasil and all of the pharmaceuticals I've taken. And so um, she felt on one hand... Um, kind of some embarrassment and shame that she um, kind of ignored my warnings and that she got the vaccine anyways. And I think she had a hard time um, admitting that to me. And she also didn't want me to worry too much about her. And sh- and also we have had kind of a strained relationship um, in the past years because of the fact that I had been going through all these health issues that my parents didn't, did not necessarily believe me about. 
Um, so there was a fair amount of gaslighting that I endured when I had the, been injured by the medical system. And I, you know, I told them it's these pharmaceuticals, it's the vaccines, and they did not want to hear anything about that. They didn't want to believe me or listen to me. Um, and I was kind of just um, written off as the black sheep of the family who was yep. kind of spewing conspiracy theories and nonsense and you yep. know kind of the the crazy one sure and so this caused really bad tension in our family um and so that's the reason why she didn't tell me about it initially yep. and so the way that i found out about her vaccine injury was that i saw a post that she wrote about it on facebook that my second cousin <laughs> who also is very much awake about vaccines because her child got vaccine injured. It's also on my mom's side. Mm -hmm. um, so my second cousin sent me the post that my mom had written on Facebook. And she was like, do you know about, about this? And I was like, I freaked out. And I was just like, what is going on? So I asked my mom about it. And she was like, yeah, I didn't want to tell you, but I've been, in, I've been going through this with the vaccine. Mm -hmm. So that was the way that I found out. I know that that didn't quite answer your question. No, it answers it. To... It answers it beautifully because I think your your family it's it's the hardest to break out of now. You being the quote unquote black sheep and and starting to question things. You know, there's going to always be somebody like that in the family that's a truth seeker or is like, hey, something's not adding up here. Um, but that your mother's reluctance completely makes sense as well, and and your father's reaction. You know, he's prominent, like he can't question the religion of Western medicine. Um, yeah. And that I think had your mom not had such an extreme reaction right after the second one, uh, you know, it basically hit her over the head repeatedly until she had to say, look, I really think Rochelle is right. I, I don't know if she ever, you know, I, not say that you were right. I don't know if that's the important piece, but just basically say, you know, you you were on to it way back when and and I just wrote you off did she ever have kind of a uh, a moment where she confided in you that way with some vulnerability rather than you know you finding out through Facebook and her basically saying yeah 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 I mean was there moments where she uh, got vulnerable with you about it a little bit I think um it's hard for yeah, yeah it's yeah. it's hard I think you know I didn't want to you know, push it in her face more because she was yep. already suffering enough. And, yep. you know, she was already like, she lost her mom and, and yep. our relationship has been so bad in the past years. We've lost so many years mm -hmm. because of this disagreement, um, involving the pharmaceutical companies and Western medicine. And it's like, we've just wasted so many, I wouldn't mm. say wasted but we've lost and i know that it breaks apart so many families i know it's not just my family but it's yeah. this whole um the allopathic medical field through their gaslighting and their dishonesty and their corruption have ripped apart so many families including my own mm -hmm. so i would say that um with the strain that's been on our relationship it's been really difficult for us to have um kind of vulnerable and clear communication with one another. And so I think that um, she is starting to wake up now to the things that I had been saying for several years. And, and she's starting to listen to 
um, the points that are being made by people who have been distrustful of vaccines, um, which I think both of my parents had before just sort of um, dismissed and to some extent ridiculed um, these arguments that were made by people who had been injured by vaccines. And I, and I don't think that they ridiculed them through any kind of malice or bad right. intention. It was just what they had been trained to do. Yeah. And you had, you had shared with me the first time you and I talked that you, you said you grew up in the cult of Western medicine. And I, I haven't quite heard that phrase before, but it really fits. Um, and you were, you were talking about how it's you know, Western medicine, the doctors in med school, it's like an indoctrination into a cult. And I thought I'd give you a chance to compare and contrast. I mean, uh, you and I were talking about Paul Thomas, and maybe I'll give you a chance to first answer the question of like, how is Western medicine indoctrination like a cult? And it it impacts not just the doctors and the nurses and, and all the physicians. I mean, it impacts them as sort of the high priests of the cult. But we're all indoctrinated. In other words, uh, we're all told to go along with what the doctors say. And when it comes to vaccines, they are basically handed a schedule by Big Pharma and says, here, here's here's what you're doing. And so there's not a lot of questioning that. And we'll talk about uh, Paul Thomas in a sec. But I guess I just wanted to ask you, you know, kind of to fill in the blanks a little bit of how you grew up in the cult of Western medicine. What did that look like and how is it? compared to a cult, you know, people might think like, I think they intuit a bit of what we're talking about, but maybe you could fill it in a little bit. Yeah. Thank you. I think I have a pretty unique perspective on what the cult of Western medicine is as the daughter of a pretty prominent physician of the region that I grew up in. And Mm -hmm. Um, someone who was very well-respected and he was the son of a very, very well-respected physician of his time. Mm -hmm. And so um, with medicine kind of running through our lineage in the past three generations, um, I feel that the injuries that I experienced and that I witnessed my family experience and so many others experience have kind of Um, broken me out of the framework of thinking that I grew up with, which was um, very rarely questioned Mm -hmm. when I was growing up. And when it was questioned, there was kind of this level of of criticism about any kind of um, questioning of the priesthood of of what doctors say. It's kind of... um, I guess the way that it was presented to me by my parents is that, you know, we live in this um, historical moment of time where we have the best science and the best technology and the best Western medicine and pharmaceuticals that we've ever had before, um, ever. And I think any moment in time, you could say that we have the best technology that we've ever had before. That's correct. And so- I think it can be difficult for people to kind of zoom out of that perspective Mm -hmm. and realize how much is still not known, Mm -hmm. you know, and to realize like, okay, well, we know all of these things. We have all these advancements within science, but what about all these things that we still don't know? And because it's like up until that point, you know, the most that you've ever known as a species, it can be difficult to, um, 
kind of like the Dunning-Kruger effect, it can be difficult to recognize what is still unknown and what is still not certain and what is still um, perhaps wrong. Mm -hmm. And so I think um, because doctors are people who have, um, they're living in this time with the best medical technology, the best um, pharmaceutical advancements that have ever existed in human history, and they go to school for over a decade to learn how to become the priests of this um, Western medical religious cult. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very difficult for somebody who um, is not within that priesthood to question them or to wonder whether they could be wrong about something. And um, I think we're all conditioned to trust doctors and to trust the medical establishment as a level of authority that should be trusted. Mm-hmm. And um, I think we've been conditioned and kind of groomed for that since a young age, you know, like we're taught um, in public schools that we should always trust the authority of, of doctors and that these are some of the most trustworthy, um, highly intelligent academic um, scientists who are there to care for our public health. And so there's this level of respect um, that is given to them, which is not necessarily earned because of the darker side that we are not always aware of, the corruption, um, how academia has been bought out by pharmaceutical companies, the lack of regulation. These are kind of the sides that we're not taught mm-hmm. to think about so much. Um but there are so many elements of a cult that um, you could draw so many parallels to a religion. For example, the white robes that are worn by mm-hmm. doctors, it kind of is like a um, like the robes that a priest might wear. Yep. Uh, the, med- the medical textbooks, which we're taught not to ever question, they're kind of like the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a certain structure through evidence-based medicine. There's a certain hierarchy of evidence that exists, which is kind of like, you know, the rules within a religion. Um, and then there's even like a phasing or initiation um, state that a doctor has to go through to become ordained into the priesthood. And that would be the medical education that, um, that medical students have to go through. And even the symbol, which is kind of the serpent with the cross. And, um, there's just so many parallels to this being a religion that, um, that I think people are not always thinking about it that way because we think about science being so far separate from any kind of spiritual belief system. But um, what people don't understand is, is how when you're thinking in such a rigid structure and you're not taught to question things, it can be really easy for influences to kind of hijack the actual science behind what is being told. Well, and, and, and I, you and I both know a lot of really good, you know, sort of the good doctors in that they're good people. They care. They, they got into medicine because they care about people. I know a number of them, and this is not a criticism of their character or what they've served. And some of them have, because of their fields, maybe, um, you know, they did way more good, right? I think what we're pointing to here is that you can't question the medical priesthood. And 
those good doctors inside of that system can't question it because you'll get blackballed. Like you and I were talking about before we came on this, uh, the the well-known pediatrician, Paul Thomas in Portland. And he has, you know, he, he showed not only his concern about the vaccines, but he shed the light on his training in that regards and also what it was like for him to break ranks. So here it was a pediatrician and he, he tells these stories about he was getting suspicious because he's like, I'm starting to see more and more autism and, and Asperger's syndrome and ADHD, all these different neurologic neurological disorders in my, in my uh, practice. And he was starting to get a little bit suspicious of the vaccination program. And he, he told this one story, this harrowing story where he came in to see a concerned parent was like, something's going on with, you know, Billy, you know, who's this little kid. And he goes, I looked through the window at the waiting room and I just got chills. He's like, he looked catatonic. Um, he didn't look right. And he goes, you know, he looked like he suddenly had autism or autism like symptoms. And he said, that was the red pill moment. That was the moment where I went, wait a minute, something isn't right here. I'm very suspicious of these vaccinations that I'm giving out. And that became his life's work now. But he went on to say how, you know, he kind of told the dirty secret. He says, you know, pediatricians, we don't, they don't talk about the pros and cons of vaccinations in medical school. They don't, he's like, we, they did like a 30 minute lecture and then said, what you do is you follow the CDC schedule. That's all you need to know. And he goes, and he goes, so we all, that was it. We just trust the CDC, trust Big Pharma. They know what's right for people. And then you head into your practice and you get so busy with your practice that you lose your ability to start questioning. You can't be looking at all these papers and stuff because you're just a busy doctor. It wasn't until I saw Billy in the waiting room that I went, er, you know, hold on a second. This is the most important thing to be asking right now. And, you know, he got he got ostracized. He got thrown under the bus. The medical community, the priesthood basically said, how dare you question our vaccination program and question big pharma? Um, and I just thought, what a brave doctor. And I think it trailblazed for others to kind of question as well. You see, you know, in certain channels, you'll see other physicians questioning and breaking ranks. I think you're seeing a lot more of that. So I think, I think you're seeing some of the priesthood sort of break ranks and say, wait a minute, my, my conscience is, I got to follow my, my heart here. And I'm seeing too much evidence over on here. Um, but you know, I, I, I didn't mean to point out that doctors were not smart or doctors were not good people. I just think that they're oftentimes unable to question the narrative or question the vaccination programs. They can't look at it. They're too busy. I'm sure your father's crazy busy. He doesn't have time to be getting his nose into all the stuff that maybe you and I have looked at over the past five, six, seven years. Um, but you you said some interesting things about uh, uh, Dr. Thomas before we got on. I thought I'd give you a chance just to react to, you know, what I said about Dr. Thomas and how hard it is maybe to, to break ranks. It's understandable. People don't want to. I know many doctors most of them are at the tail end of their career. And I just think they're like, I, I don't want to, I don't want to do this now. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't want to question And for the ones that are early in their careers. They, it's probably really threatening to hear this kind of stuff because they have a lot of debt probably from medical school and they want to get into their practice and start making some decent money and start making an impact. And they don't, they don't want to hear this stuff either. Right. Right. Well, absolutely. Yeah. I, 
I agree with that. And it's, it is really difficult and it can be nearly impossible for a physician who wants to keep their career to speak out. And I think that there's a couple different things. Um, first of all, there's whether or not um, an individual physician has the ability or the capacity to break out of the molds of the way that they have been taught to unquestioningly trust the CDC, trust the pharmaceutical companies, which they don't realize it's the pharmaceutical companies yeah. um, giving this narrative. They think that it's just the ultimate truth because that's what's taught to them in their medical textbooks from the professors. So there's this inability to um, to question such a highly esteemed and trusted source that they've been conditioned to trust since childhood. Mm-hmm. And then there's the fear of the repercussions um, of speaking out if they have successfully been able to break out of their mold and uh, realize, wait, something is not right here. Um, This isn't true, what they've been telling us. So once that realization has been made, if it is made, um, it's very, very difficult to speak out because there are severe consequences and severe repercussions. I think Dr. Paul Thomas has been Um, back and forth fighting to keep his medical license with the Oregon State Medical Board. I think that they tried to remove it for a period of time, um, which wasn't even lawful because he hadn't done anything to break the law besides publishing a study within his own practice showing that his vaccinated uh, patients within his pediatric practice were um, severely um, more sick and debilitated than his unvaccinated patients. So they had more autism, more allergies, neuro, uh, neurodevelopmental disorders, mm-hmm. um, other types of autoimmune disorders. And so him publishing that and um, speaking out against the accepted CDC narrative uh, made the medical board come after him. And so uh, they kind of want to use these physicians who are coming and, and speaking about the dangers of vaccines as an example, and um, to kind of burn them at the stake to sh- to set this example that it's not acceptable for you to come and speak out and that we will make your life a living nightmare if you question it publicly or, you know, even question it all. Like physicians are even punished for um, saying anything negative about vaccines to a patient that could be um, there could be an, a warning um, or complaint issue to the medical board. It's just, it, it, it's a culture of um, of fear, I think, um, and ultimate authority of um, if you question the narrative, then you will suffer the consequences. And so um, I know even within my own family, um, because of my attempt to share the story of what happened to my mother and my grandmother and also to myself. Um, I shared this publicly on TikTok and Instagram to social media pages or social media platforms that are kind of used by um, younger audiences. Um, as a result of me sharing my story, I had um, I had a couple of medical professionals that had large platforms um, with tens of thousands of people and they use their platform to send 
hundreds of people to harass me and mm. my family and my father and to try to get his medical license removed and to try to fire him from his job and to threaten my family just because I was speaking up about it. Yeah. And this wasn't even my father. This was just me talking about it. It's crazy. So it's like if if anybody steps out of line, there's they're gonna there's get whacked. Yeah. Your consequences. Yeah. Well and it's 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 ironic that you you know I you think medical training is steeped in this kind of inquiry and scientific method, but it's not, it's, you can't question anything. Mm -hmm. It sounds like, it's just like, here are the steps, go with the program and don't ask questions or or we're going to whack you one. You know, it's like, well, wait a minute. What, how, where is there room for true scientists and scientific methods of, of asking, Hey, wait a minute, you know, that, that you can't even use the scientific method around experimental vaccines. Like clearly widely administered, this would be a situation where you would say, can we look at this? Is there a study? Can we make a study? Can we look to see what is in this, what it's doing? Can we do a five-year study and see how the control group did with this group? But you don't hear any of that. It's just like, you know, shut up and take the shot and we've got another one and don't question it. And, um, you know, I mean, mercifully i'm i'm seeing it, it's terrible because i think the more people that are injured like your mom and like yourself um it's going around i saw that the actuaries at insurance companies there's a lot of people dying since they've gotten covid and the yeah. numbers don't those, those, those numbers don't lie They're, those that's now you're getting close to now you're getting close to data so when you know when the insurance companies with all that money at stake when they say hey uh, the sudden death and the deaths from myocarditis and these death numbers are way up since they started administering the vaccines for COVID. Uh, those numbers don't lie. And you, you could have, you know, the, the media doesn't want to run those stories because of look at all the pharmaceutical commercials that are run on big media. So they're not going to try to, they're not going to shoot themselves in the foot by, by posting anything like that or running stories on that. But I think stuff like that supports what we're saying that, you know, um, I, I, you know, I, at this point, I just, I'm not a, I mean, people call me a conspiracy theorist. I don't really care. I'm a critical thinker. I just, I just was not trusting. And I've maybe been distrustful of big pharma for quite some time. I've never used their products a whole lot, mainly because I feel like I got a really healthy body. I don't need it. I, you know, and so, you know, maybe I'm just really lucky, but the, the unfortunate part is I think all of these people that have passed away and are injured is what's waking up a larger portion of the population that are starting to go. I hear a lot of people go, I am not getting anything else. I don't care what they roll out. Even people that had the vaccines, maybe didn't have the reactions that you had. They are starting to go, no, no, no. I've seen a bunch of stuff now, or my aunt got injured or, you know, my grandmother passed away like you had. And so I think it's it's an unfortunate red pill that it has to go down that way where people are seeing all the injuries and seeing the data like the insurance companies and all these different things. But I think ultimately um, less people are going to be participating in anything else that they move forward. Um, and I guess I just wanted the final give you a chance to respond to that, but also give you a chance to address any any people that might be on the fence. I can't imagine being on the fence at this point, but there are people that are like, I'm not sure if I want to do one. And for the parents out there, what would be your advice 
for, you know, some of them, I, I have friends that have very young children and are probably at the pediatrician staring down a whole bunch of vaccinations. Um, how do they make sense of that? What would be your coaching on, you know, a new mother or new father that's got a two-year-old that's like, okay, you know, they're starting to line up all these different things. Do I, do I not do them? Is there any, is there any resources that you would recommend or, or coaching for parents out there that might be trying to go, huh, I don't know whether to trust or not anymore. What do I do? Yeah. Well, first of all, I would say, um, to respond to what you said in the beginning, um, you know, right before this pandemic hit, I was starting to get so exacerbated and frustrated with the fact that my family would not listen to me about any of the things that I was talking about with big pharma being corrupt and dishonest and the academic institutions being bought up and um, the curriculum um, in medical school being literally paid for by big pharma with the medical textbooks being inaccurate and incomplete intentionally. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it was just like, I've been, I've been talking about this pretty openly for a lot of years at this point. Mm -hmm. And so I was wondering what will it take for people to wake up and realize that we are being lied to on a massive scale and that um, a lot of the things that physicians are telling us about pharmaceuticals and vaccinations and even the risks of certain surgeries, that there's a lot of lies about just about every field of the medical system. There are lies interwoven and kind of hiding amongst the truths. So, you know, I'm not going to go out there and say that everything in Western medicine is a lie and everything is bad. Everything is dishonest because if everything was dishonest, then nobody would believe anything. So they, they kind of have to have some things be, um, effective and, and helpful and true, mm -hmm. um, in order to gain our trust and in order to establish themselves as a business, because at the end of the day, that is what it is. It's yeah. a business healthcare um, exists because of the financial aspect. Yep. And so I think people forget that as they are trusting their doctors indiscriminately mm -hmm. and blindly. And, um, what we need to understand is how to ascertain the truths from the lies. And that can be really the difficult part of, um, navigating the medical field as both a patient and the parent of children who are, going to um, be pressured by their pediatricians to get vaccinated. Um, and so I think that what people need to understand is that um, the system is extremely corrupt. Um, and as much good as there has been within Western medicine, there's also been a lot of very bad, very corrupt, very dishonest things. And I think that the COVID pandemic hitting was perhaps one of the only things that could have happened, I think, on a massive scale to truly wake people up in the way that people are waking up today. I, I agree. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And so agree. I think for for that purpose, as, as, um, as tragic as it's been that there have been so many casualties, um, 
and I think COVID is a bioweapon as well, but that's a totally different topic. I do, I do too. I think it's crystal clear it's a bioweapon. I don't think yeah. there's any question. I mean, um, that might be another episode you and I do together as this unfolds, but I, right. I don't even I don't even I don't even question it. I I I think it's a slam dunk evidence that there is. I just think there yeah. it's not it's it hasn't Definitely. quite reached it hasn't quite reached the shores of awareness, but I, I think probably the same people that have been skeptical of big farm are the same people that understand, yes, it's a bioweapon though that crowd, you're you yeah. and me and, and our, our tribe understands that quite well, but more and more people are starting to get skeptical of big pharma. And I think those same people right. are going to be going, yeah, uh, it came from Wuhan. It was a bioweapon. It was this, we, there's been a war going on and, you know, there's been a lot of casualties and this is along the lines of what we have talked about on this show. Um, I just think there's a lot of things that aren't quite what they seem right now. Um, and, you know, we didn't even really touch on, you know, talk about blindly following authority like Bill Gates. I've, I've skewered him a bunch of times. Like, why does anybody listen to this guy when it comes to health? Like, he's like a, he's a computer programmer, you know, software mogul that suddenly, and a eugenicist who wants to reduce the population and suddenly. Yeah, who, who believes he, that our population is just yeah, too yeah, large so, and we so, need to that. Yeah, and it's like, he, he was kicked out of, you know. India kicked out his Gates Foundation was kicked out of the uh, parts of Africa because they were finding that his quote unquote vaccines were causing sterility in in the people. And, you know, why anybody trusts anything out of this guy's mouth and you could actually probably whatever he says to do, you could do the opposite and you would be just fine. Uh, I just don't think he has uh, humanity's best interest at heart. And uh, but anyway, that that's probably an episode for another time. But I just wanted to thank you so much for coming on and sharing your insight and your wisdom. You're really, you're really well spoken and really organized in your thinking. You're almost like a like a doctor explains something. I really appreciate how uh, how organized your thinking is. So I I don't hear any brain fog coming from you. I hear a really really concise thinker and somebody that's really eloquent. Um, and I can't wait to see kind of where you go with what you do with your life to see where you make your most impact. Cause I have a, I have a sense that there's, you know, you're going to be playing a role in people's awakening. You already are, but it'll be interesting to see you're so young to see what, how that plays out over the coming five to 10 years and where you find your spot. So I just want to wish you luck and, and thank you so much for coming on today. It was just really a pleasure to meet you and have you on. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to spread awareness in the best way that I can. Well, I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. I so appreciate Rochelle's courage to come on and share her story. I could really feel how true it must be for so many people when she shared the cost of the disagreement with her parents and the years that were lost. I know many of you have similar stories, lost loved ones, parents, children, siblings, close friends that are gone. The aftermath of COVID is as heartbreaking as the damage done by these mRNA shots. I refuse to call them vaccinations at this point. Lastly, I saw a great meme that came my way the other day. It said, quote, one of the best things about being a conspiracy theorist is that you don't end up with myocarditis, unquote. So true. Thank you, Base Campers, and we'll see you around the fire next week. 
you find value in our show and wish to show us some love, we are now making that very easy to do. You simply go to www.basecampformen.com and click on Donate Support Basecamp. You'll find an easy way to make either monthly donations for as little as $5 a month, or you can donate just once. We love the monthly donation and hope to build this up over the coming months, but any show of support is greatly appreciated, honestly. Thank you for your support and for helping to keep Basecamp as a resource on your hero's journey. That's our show for today. Thank you for listening. Men, good luck in all your endeavors and good luck on your hero's journey. This is Tony Rezac and you're listening to Basecamp for Men.